Hello, and welcome to Spectology, the science fiction book club podcast. I'm your host, Adrian. And I'm Matt. On Spectology, most of the time, we're picking science fiction books, reading them, and talking about them over the course of two episodes, being a book club podcast. Uh, However, we also sometimes do bonus episodes. This week is one of those bonus episodes, and we're doing something different that we've never done before. Will hopefully Damn. be fun. I think it will be. I, I've liked this idea and wanted to do it for a while. Um, we're fan casting books that we've read. So yeah. we're... it's something I've literally never done. I think, except <laughs> when prompted by you, or at least, yeah, I... yeah. <laughs> probably. <laughs> this is this is me being self indulgent and like bringing Matt along for the ride. No, it's a good idea though. I mean, you know, there are a lot of good things that i never do (laughs) (laughs) so i think what we're gonna do is each take either one or two books we will talk about them kind of like what our vision for this adaptation whether it's like movie or tv or what the kind of adaptation looks like talk about our kind of vision for it maybe get into some of the nitty-gritty of oh i want this person to play this person or this is who i want to direct or write or whatever that looks like um yeah, and kind of go from there and see what there is to talk about, what there is to do. I think it like some of these we might have stronger kind of like high concepts for. Some of them it might be more about the specifics of who we're casting on a character level, and we'll just kind of talk about it and see where it goes. Uh, hopefully, this is fun. Uh, this is the kind of thing that like you know, sort of feels like late night. You know, <laughs> it's like three a.m. and no, no one wants to go to sleep, so you're all kind of like, oh, what if they did this? Uh, kind of like. <laughs> bullshit college conversation (laughs) uh that makes it way cool like i was (laughs) i was i was imagining uh a coffee shop scenario you know two friends kind of casually passing the saturday morning you know i mean it could uh, could be that too could be like a nice chill coffee sesh the the late the late night dorm room uh version is actually makes it sound really fun <laughs> that's definitely where my head goes to when yeah, i think about this kind of I thing like <laughs> um so matt do you want to start should i start how should how should we do this i'll start i got an idea okay fucking do it so which, which book is it first binti i want to talk about binti we read Korofor. all of the binti novellas uh one of the months that we've done this podcast i absolutely love them i loved doing that and mm-hmm. um when I started thinking about, you know, what I would want to fan cast at, at first, I really wasn't sure where to begin because I don't I feel like it's hard to sort of summon the names of actors or, or directors like off the tip of your tongue with no context whatsoever. But then I had I had an idea. Yeah. For Binti. Yeah. So my idea is an anime directed by oh. um, Arakawa Hiromu, who is the woman who directed Full Metal Alchemist and silver spoon interesting now i don't know if you're familiar with those but i haven't seen either one okay well she did other stuff too um she's also a, a manga artist and she wrote the original mangas of those so she didn't actually i think she's like she's she's a manga artist is really what she is um and and so what i'm kind of going for is like a manga version of binti that is then anim- that is then like uh transformed into an anime Right. So it's like, um, but her style is kind right. of the aesthetic. Her, her style, style, her, her, her style, both in terms of the, the visuals, uh, and also in terms of how she handles character. I think, mm. um, 
Full Metal Alchemist, in a lot of ways, is like a really, really good analog for Binti. It's a totally different story. It's about very different things. Um, but at a very high level, there's a lot, there's some interesting commonalities. It's a story of like, it's like, it's a fantasy story with like magic and, you know, fighting and all kinds of crazy nonsense. But the main characters are these two brothers who have no like present parents who are trying to sort of look after each other. And one of them has this, you know, terrible ailment, I guess you could say. And the other one is trying to find a cure. Cool. Or they're working together to try to find a cure. And the show, you know, it's very, it's the, the manga and the show are, are very dark, but mm. they're also focused in a positive way on young people growing up. Right. And, and that sounds make, very binty. Right. Exactly. It's it's focused in a positive way on young people growing up and finding new communities and like dealing with a sort of difficult relationship with the stuff that they come from. Now, mm. obviously, that said, it's very different in lots of other ways. I wouldn't say that it's like super similar to binty. Um, but I think the way she handles those big themes, the way Hiroma Arakawa handles those big themes is, 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 is great. She does a really great job of having, of, of pitching it as, as a sort of difficult, but ultimately uplifting story about personal growth and about like mm -hmm. finding out how to interact with the world in a way that preserves who you are. Right. Um, and I just think it's a really great fit for Binti. One of the um, things I love about this is the way that like anime does a really good job at body horror. And there's a lot of body yeah. horror in Binti or like totally. body uncomfortableness or like what, whatever. Right. And like, yeah. I love that idea of like Binti as anime lets you like do the kind of abstract visual stuff that anime is really good at doing and that also Binti does a lot of. That's cool. That's yeah, a I, good idea, Matt. That's a uh, fucking thanks. good idea. I'm glad you like it. Uh, I wasn't Very sure what the it. reaction would be. No, yeah, I'm see, super into it. I just, I love, you know, Shrimp Ship, anime Shrimp Ship is just awesome to me. A fits and right traveling in. Traveling through right space. In. And, um, but Oku, also the uh, Oko Oko. Yeah. 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 He would be, he would be, he would absolutely, uh, slay like yep. i think anime version of him would be amazing um and so for for the the voices since we're not talking um right we're not talking live action I, was, the voices still matter but i'm thinking leticia wright as binti okay good because um, that was my first thought too right i mean I, it, it seems obvious but it's also just so good like no, it's <laughs> so perfect like she has like, the energy for it yeah and shuri is kind of binti, binti right like already the, her character in black panther shuri is like is like Binti basically. Right. Um, right. Except and so we know she can do that right, thing. Right, right, right. Um, and so for Okwo, I was thinking uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Um, Interesting. Interesting. And the, 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 I mean, obviously you can see how I would go there because they're both in Black Panther, Black Panther but right. um, I do think like he does a really good job with voices, I think. Like mm -hmm. in that movie. Mm -hmm. And so I think that he could do something really interesting with Okuo's voice. Interesting. That yeah. would be um that would be like unusual and alien. And that's really what I would want, you know, from from that. Yeah. Yeah, I almost think of like him in Widows, which I which I haven't seen, but is oh, I like seen I've, either. I've seen like scenes of him and widows and like he does some really weird stuff with his like mannerisms that's like deeply off-putting like in in a, in a way he wants it to be right yeah that's the thing he's like a really great actor but he's also really good at being unexpected 
mm-hmm. which is, I think, really important for um, a character that's literally an alien. Yeah. Yeah, I you actually know? more that I, I get where you're coming from more and more. And I like that choice. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, in general, the, the weird. So the one weird thing about doing it as an anime is, is that, like, I think there's a temptation in America to see the choice of making something an anime as a way of um, ghettoizing it as a way of like putting it in this box and saying like, yeah, it's not, you know, in the same category as entertainment at large. It's just an anime. It's just a cartoon. Um, That's not how anime works in Japan. And I kind of am doing, I'm kind of doing this, like this thing where I'm like wanting that to not be how anime works in America. But the fact is that the way anime works in America, I think it's sort of considered the cartoons in America are considered like a, slightly well not even slightly there there are less prestigious art form um yeah for all that i suppose that, that's yeah. true although i feel like the discourse around that is getting better yeah i i do think that it is getting better but i think it would be naive to say that it's already reached yeah. the point where we would maybe want it to be mm-hmm. and so that's the one weird thing i don't want that to be how this works but to a certain extent i just kind of don't want that to be how it works but it is how it works <laughs> right right yeah, I would say the other kind of piece in there is that, like, you know, anime and race can be dicey sometimes. <laughs> like, worth worth calling that out yeah, as well. Yeah, um, yeah, no, and, and that's a strange choice as well, to have somebody who is not only not African, but, you know, I think by her own admission, Hiromu Arakawa doesn't know anything about Africa. Right. So it, it, that that is another sense in which right. it's a weird, very weird choice. But right. But it's, you know, I mean, what I like about it is that like, you know, we can in fan casting choose the like, you know, best p- possible world where like those things just aren't problems. And we come up with the, <laughs> the way to, you know, to make right. that good. <laughs> right. I mean, I think like the thing to do in this case would be to have like if this were to work, it would have to be because there would be a lot of other people involved who mm. knew a lot of things that uh, Arakawa doesn't know. And, you know, you, you'd have to you'd have to sort of assume a lot, but right. You know, so, you know, in some sense it's like a, it's, it's a, it's a tricky exercise because, you know, on the one hand, I would love to watch this thing that I'm talking about. That's why I'm talking about it. But I I do want to try and recognize the ways that it's, it's, it's like problematic kind of to, to think of it this way. It Mm -hmm. kind of like, like I also, it occurs to me that, um, uh, you know, that Nyeri Okorafor might not be into this at all. She might, like, hate this idea, and, and that would be, obviously, you know, like, that's why perhaps it would never happen. Right. But again, and, and, I mean, like, this is our world that we're, you know, it's our fantasy, yeah. not hers. Right, right, right. <laughs> of course, of course. And, uh, and you know, but but I, I do want to sort of, like, I don't mind, like, in my own, this is still in my fantasy world, I don't right. mind nodding to, to, to her because I think that she has... She she's she has good reasons for she has often I have right. seen her express skepticism about like certain kinds of adaptations. Well, and, and I, I feel like she has good reason to be skeptical. So uh, absolutely. And it is also worth noting that there like are comics in the Binti universe that she has written. Like LaGuardia is that oh, yeah, thing that she is great the creative point. head of. Um, and so point. they're like, that does exist. I mean, LaGuardia yeah. is set kind of like pre-Binti, I believe. It's sort of like a hundred years. It's like our time now, right. essentially. Um, but if you do want like, you know, comics with like, 
binti visuals and storytelling, even though it's, you know, set hundreds of years earlier, it's set in New York City, it's like a very different story in all of these ways. It's about like motherhood much more than childhood. Um, that that does exist <laughs> to a degree too, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's totally. not anime, I mean, it's American yeah, comics. I, I guess what the, the kind of real sort of thing that I'm imagining is, you know, the 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 movie would still the the anime movie would still or TV show would still be written by Ninetti Okorafor, but like the visual style and the kind of like um the sort of yeah. the direction, the 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 shot selection, the kind of some of the some of the like overall kind of the visual aesthetic not just visuals but like the the kind of character beat organization and like the Ah. translation into tv format would be something that that arakawa would 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 be like in charge of or would you know and and like i feel like that's a that's a marriage that could really work yeah and you know that's cool i like that i'm into it i dig it cool all, All right, right, Adrian. So I'll talk about I I so I have two. You know, I'm going to talk about one where I have more of a specific casting. And so I'll I'll talk about it cuz this was like kind of high concept. I have one that's high concept and one that's a specific casting. <laughs> so I'll talk about the one that's a specific casting first, which is The Ballad of Black Tom, a novel, novella really by Victor Laval that we read last October. And so my idea for this is so I actually just mentioned Widows is to have Steve McQueen, the writer or co-writer Ooh. director of Widows, 12 Years a Slave, Shame and like a bunch of documentaries and stuff oh, man. Um, to have him do it so that it's less horror, more thriller. I think the kind of like initial thought here is like, oh, you know, like like horror novel about like black issues, like Jordan Peele is the guy like really doing that really well right now. But like, when I think about this, I think about it as like almost a thriller when it comes to screen and like being a little bit more like yeah. in the Steve McQueeny direction. Um, the other, like the, the thing that started this, the thing that like nailed it for me as like, this is a fan casting I wanted to do was um, Charles Tester, Tommy Tester, the like lead character, mm-hmm. Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah, I mean, I you I don't even know if you told me that, but that was I just knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I think I <laughs> mentioned it to you like a couple months ago at some point, but like <laughs> like Lakeith Stanfield, um he's in Sorry to Bother You, he's in Get Out, he's in uh Atlanta, he's in a bunch of stuff right now. He's like this kind of tall skinny guy who can do a lot of really interesting things around like having one emotion on the surface and another emotion like simmering beneath it. He's really good at doing that thing that is like very difficult for an actor to do, which is to like act like I am acting like I'm happy when I'm really upset. And like that to me is like this thing that just like dominates Tommy Tester's personality and like his code switching and like so much of what it's about is like about that stuff. Um, and especially after I saw Sorry to Bother You, like he really stuck out as like, oh, he could really do this thing. Plus, like, I just love the idea of Lakeith Stanfield, like poorly playing a guitar, like something oh, about man. that image yeah. is just like beautiful to me. <laughs> so that you can tell, I think that this is an inspired choice, because as soon as you say this, it's like impossible to think of a, the Ballad of Black Tom story without thinking of him in that role. I, like it's, it's impossible to sort of like imagine the story without imagining him. Right. 
right? So I have a few other cast members. One thing I realized as I was kind of casting this is that there are actually more white kind of characters than black characters, which I hadn't really ever thought of, but like named kind of main characters. Uh, And also there's really only one woman character. So like that does kind of put this casting as going through person by person and kind of an odd thing. There's one person who I haven't figured out who to cast, but I will say Tommy Tester's dad. This is another, what I think is a kind of inspired choice. Dave Chappelle. <laughs> I think he actually oh. works really well as Lakeith Stanfield's oh, dad. Like I buy oh, that. Man. God, also, that's great. he does a really good job of like the kind of like being someone who has a lot of his own pride and like you feel both good about his pride, but also pity his pride a little bit. That there's this kind of like the, you feel two ways about him at the same time. I think he would do a really good job at that. Uh, for Malone, the kind of like more sympathetic, but still kind of not entirely sympathetic of the like main police characters, Colin Farrell. I think he would do a <laughs> yeah. really good job of yeah, that. Yeah, He's yeah. another guy who I just like envision in my head as it and is kind yeah. of like a slightly like I think of him in the lobster and being like a little bit oh, unaware, yeah. like well, especially, that kind of like deer in headlights look in his yeah. eyes. And especially he like he like gained weight for that role he's like a little pudge yep and like that's because yep. like i think there's sort of the uh, for people of our age perhaps the the sort of in bruges version of him the like lean like sort of right angry crazy version of him is a little comes to mind very easily but like actually he's done oh, he's like done the lobster's a great really cool indie work in the last 10 years he's a really phenomenal actor especially now that he's sober i mean i think he's doing much better <laughs> and i like i think he would be great uh for mr howard the kind of like shitty cop character the just like obviously evil one um robert pattinson is my idea there oh i really like robert pattinson i i I think he's a fucking weirdo he is yeah and i like that fucking weirdo energy in that role yeah i so i honestly would maybe switch the two of them interesting because because i sort of see the like semi good cop as a weirdo yes like and and like I like the idea of not casting like a I like the idea of like getting as far away as possible from like leading man when you cast the like good cop semi good cop guy. What do you think mm-hmm. of that? Well, so I mean, I would say Robert Pattinson is like more a leading man than Colin Farrell is right now. I mean, Colin Farrell is like a mm, character like an indie no, character actor at this point that's true so that was kind of that was part of my thinking was like i like the idea of the like young pretty leading man in the like shitty mm. role yeah yeah like i like that in particular um i i think i do think like i think either could do either and they would be like different versions but like ultimately what's good about both of them is that you get a little bit of the sense of like like malone is not like he is more sympathetic but he is not good right like he is actually like (laughs) complicit in all the white supremacist bullshit and like i think either call like i part of what i like about colin farrell is like the cluelessness look of like him being clued clueless but still 
yeah, still complicit to me works really well. Yeah. I can also buy Colin Farrell as a weirdo. I mean, I've seen him as a weirdo a bunch of times. Even his leading yeah. man shit, he's kind of a weird. Like, yeah. I like that about both of them is they're kind of weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> I just love, I, I really like uh, uh, Robert Pattinson and I love imagining him yeah. as like playing a character who is really messed up and wrong. Right. I mean, I I think of Robert Pattinson like I think of him in Cosmopolis is exactly the like the role I'm thinking of him as Mr. Howard. So what about the rich guy? Did you say you don't have one for him? Yeah. So I have one more, which is for Ma Ma at this is kind of like a yeah. Ma at Elizabeth Debicki. She's a great actress and she's like the tallest motherfucker in Hollywood. And like, I would like play that shit up, play up how like tall and weird and lanky she is. Yeah. That's also really great actress. Um, and it's a small role. Uh, no, for, for Robert Sweetum, that was the one that I couldn't come up with. And I, and I wanted to bring it to you, Matt and ask like, who would you cast for Robert Sweetum? Cause I don't have, it's the one person where I don't have an idea. I think it's tough. You know, I'm I'm tempted to say because you know I think that it's tough because you're you're sort of tempted to go in one of two directions. Like on the one hand, you could go with somebody that's just like creepy looking, you know, who, who sort of plays yeah. up the kind of like weird scariness of it. And on the other hand, on the other extreme, you could go with somebody who's like incredibly banal and normal looking. Yeah, and it's really tough to find the the person who can do kind of like both simultaneously or like switch on a dime without right. being too much the one. Or, or looks other. one way in the light and the other way in shadows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that's what I yeah. want. Who also can do, like, a range of, like, you know, legit old to just, like, middle age, right? Because he does this thing where he kind of transforms and, like, age through it back and forth. Yeah. I mean, you know, it would be easy to sort of, like, point to sort of good actors, you know? Right. And, like, pick someone who's just, like, a good actor and an older mm-hmm. man and have mm-hmm. them do it. Um, but it's really tough to get the same kind of inspired choice. What if we just like name some options and see what we think of them? Yeah. So like, um, one, one idea that I had was Robin Williams. I mean, obviously this is like an entirely fantasy at this point. Right, right, right. But like something about the both, like, like someone who can play both, like you trust him and also menacing. That's actually, I think that is really good, really smart. I think the idea of going for a comedian is the thing you need to do going for somebody who has that kind of like incredible emotional range, Mm -hmm. you know, like, but can like flip on a dime because that's the type of performance they do quick, fast stuff. That actually is perfect. I think if not Robin Williams, then somebody who can like, who has like almost like similar energy or like, yeah, I don't know who else it would even be because it's difficult to replace Robin Williams, but like Robin Williams is an amazing choice for that. I think actually. Right. Cool. Yeah, that was the closest I came. And I I, don't, I, I, also, I still don't think that's perfect. And also, you know, like, obviously, like I said, it's full on fantasy territory at this point. But that's OK. It's our fan cast. This is not about. Well, yeah. Reality. Yeah. I don't think it <laughs> we are not be... Hollywood producers. This shit ain't ever <laughs> yeah. going to happen. <laughs> I just think the, the one of my favorite things about doing this is this sort of like the relationship between the director and the actors, like imagining Steve McQueen yeah. doing um, a, a movie with this cast yeah and like imagining robin williams acting under steve mcqueen is like a really cool thing to imagine right that you steve know? mcqueen thing i think is like for me is really kind of key of like it's a thriller and a psychological thriller and I, I don't know something about that like really to me like i'd love to see him yeah 
work with is this there kind of material. is there like a a shot in particular you imagine when you imagine this yeah or like I a th- scene you know what it is is it's um Tommy Tester and Malone on opposite sides of like a, a elevated subway in like Harlem and like you know Lakeith Stanfield kind of like poorly playing his guitar and Colin Farrell like kind of like across the platform just like looking at him and With then that, like a train like cuts between the two of them yeah and like Colin Farrell maybe has this, like, that like that like sort of dumb blank expression the lobster right expression. exactly like 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 he's clearly like like that dumb blank where it's like it's not it's not that it's blank it's that he's working really hard behind the scenes but like not coming up with much of anything at all <laughs> now okay here's a question would you would you change the setting at all in this adaptation or is it like no still, i think i yeah. still yeah i i think the, the great thing about this adaptation is that you can use these characters like in that time it's such a rich time period to like do this particular thing in that i really i like the historical new york setting for it i think it works really well yeah sweet oh that's cool, cool. do we want to do like so my second one is much quicker um is do you have a second one that we could do and we could you know do like a little bit speedier rounds for round two okay let's do fast cool cool so what's your round two so if if i were gonna do another one i would do i would really love to see a culture novel Mm -hmm. um specifically i think probably player of games done Uh, by andre tarkovsky who is dead and so this is like full-on fantasy i mean so is Nina banks but right yeah so full-on fantasy, Tarkovsky version of Player of Games, starring Gary Oldman. I think. Oh, interesting. That would be so cool. I just can't. I can't believe it's Gary impossible. Oldman. That's now, such an interest. I would not have chosen that casting. So the reason is because I, I I'm thinking of Gary Oldman in um, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. In particular, okay, I haven't seen. I'm thinking that, actually. of that 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 version of him. I think he he's really good in that movie. I, I that version of him. I want some long, incredibly well composed, like wide shots, and then like some tight, psychologically complex shots. So the wide shots of like Gary Oldman like encountering the world's like encountering um special circumstances like mm-hmm. technology and like giant you know minds and then encountering the like decrepit world that he's sent to and in particular at the end i don't i, I can't think of anybody but tarkovsky who could do the kind of apocalyptic ending yeah of that of that book yeah in in a way that is meaningful because i think the thing that would happen is, is if you had a tarkovsky version of that book it would be better than the book <laughs> it would elevate the book. Yeah. I think that book is fun, but not like amazing. But I think if Tarkovsky got his hands on it, he would like send it into space. Right. He would elevate the entire. That's really interesting. I mean, I definitely I feel like I, I actually don't particularly like Gary Oldman. Um, ah, weird. Well. I know. Um, but also beyond that, I feel like that's probably the like 
culture novel that I have the least amount of attachment to. And also I've never seen one of Tarkovsky's films. So I'm, I'm struggling to like, okay, <laughs> but I, I I'm into, I'm just struggling to like envision it. And when you say that kind of like, put like final post-apocalyptic like scene and like elevating it, that, that gets me a little bit. Yeah. Closer to like, okay, I kind of maybe see where you're going with this. So, I mean, you know, Tarkovsky isn't exactly known for his apocalypses, but like I, the reason I say that is because there's this way he has of imbuing objects with meaning. Like it's almost like imbuing human, imbuing non-human objects with human psychology and imbuing humans and human psychology with like further depths of psychology. Mm-hmm. So that when you see it, when you, when you hear a character talking about their life, it feels like a Dostoevsky character or a, or a, you know, talking about like all life, you know? And when mm. you see a, a, a shot of like a hallway lit just the right way, composed just the right way, it feels not just like a hallway, but like a metaphor for passing through something. And like that kind of way that he adds depth to everything, I think would really elevate this story because I think the story is like a skeleton. The player of the game story is a really good skeleton for a more in-depth investigation into the various psychological problems and kind of political philosophical problems that, that it like gestures to like, Mm -hmm. what do we do if we can help people, but helping them, but they might not want our help. Like, what do we do if, um, we are unsatisfied with ourselves, but we have everything. We have no reason to be unsatisfied. Like these kind of, these questions, which are certainly posed in some sense by, by culture novels and that novel in particular are, are like serious and like can be taken yeah. at a even higher level of seriousness than that book does. And I think nobody could do it better than Tarkovsky. I mean, he's the guy's a genius. I do also love the idea of like a Soviet director doing like Ian Banks's far future kind of socialist utopia, anarcho socialist utopia. Like there's something really like interesting yeah. about that as well that I really uh, like. I think, yeah, that, that is a good point. I think he, he has, um, a sensitivity to politics, which he nonetheless is able to not talk about directly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or perhaps forced, you know, perhaps he was forced to not talk, but whatever. Right. Um, but like, you know, I mean, yeah. in this version, like maybe he's not forced to do that too. Like we, you know. Yeah. Arguably his best movies were made while he was in the Soviet Union. So. Right. Anyway, I, I, I think that would be amazing. I would, And the thing I like about Gary Oldman for this role is that Gary Oldman is on some level he's forced to he's not like likable you know like he's not necessarily like a a hero you're rooting for perhaps you you're rooting for like the forces he represents but he's he's just like kind of an entitled old man in some sense and that's who that character is and i i think that's like that works really well because he's playing something that's not that dissimilar from who he really is right yeah i mean my part of why I don't like Gary Oldman is my understanding is that he's like a real piece of shit human being. I have um, heard that too. Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't. That's why this is a total fantasy, right? Because I wouldn't yeah, no, actually necessarily you. want to give him the work. But if <laughs> right. this exists, and indeed this could never exist because the right. main people are dead. But if it if it if it did exist, I think it could be beautiful art. Yeah, no, and I, I get I get where you're coming from on that. And I think there's something to that. I like that like again, it's this kind of high concept thing that and I, I appreciate the concept for sure. I think it's really cool. Cool. Yeah. So I'll I'll do my last one, which is gonna be 
was originally going to be actually like just any culture novel. And I switched it to nine Fox gambit. And I think it could work. Like the idea here is more of like, like far future space opera. And I think in some ways nine Fox gambit actually kind of like works better for some of the specifics. But my idea with it was nine Fox gambit directed by the Wachowski sisters with a cast made entirely of like trans or non-binary actors. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that would be, oh yeah, no. I mean, I think uh, Nine Fox Gambit, that's an amazing idea. Like, I love that. Right. And originally it was, it was like, um, yeah, originally I was thinking somewhere along the lines of like maybe consider Flabus or something like that. But I think actually Nine Fox Gambit works even better. Or no, just yeah, as well I think it Banks. works way better. I mean, one, I love the idea of the Wachowskis doing space opera. I think like no one, like I, when I think of living directors, like them for Banks makes the most sense to me. I think them for like the Nine Fox Gambit, um, Yoon Ha Lee's novels also makes like a, just a ton of sense to me. If anything, like, you know, Yoon Ha Lee, like his novels have this kind of like darkness to them that I almost think back to some of the original Matrix stuff and the sort of like deeply uncomfortable dark you know techno thriller type thing like with actual like techno you know like yeah. synth thriller <laughs> and, um, and a, a certain kind of gonzoness also though right exactly and then for the so for the lead um uh in the book the character is a woman the lead character i forget her name i am blanking on her name and i feel bad about that um but I think like I think to play that lead actor, I would maybe change it to either a non-binary or male character. Um, and Ian Alexander is my choice for that role. Mm. Uh, Ian is a like young uh, transmasculine actor who played Buck in the OA, um, Britt Marling's Netflix TV show, which I just am a complete absolute fan of. Uh, he's one of my favorite actors on the show. He's so good. Um, and I like, I think of like that character. I think of Ian Alexander and I, I don't know why exactly, but like, it just like fits so well for me for some reason. Um, particularly because Ian has played like roles that kind of like fade in and out of like how masculine and feminine the character is. And I think kind of like, bring something like he is able to play like quiet and introspective really well. And I think that that mm. role like requires that to some degree. Um, the other idea I had, and this is maybe kind of nuts is um, for Jadao, the kind of like shadow character, mm -hmm. uh, Ezra Miller, who, you know, I think identifies as non-binary is my understanding um, is also kind of like Pattinson, like kind of a weirdo. Um, and like, there's something about this like energy that they have that is, um, I don't know that I can just see for Jadao just sort of like, you know, walking around and like breaking things for the fun of it and just being kind of an, like a kind of asshole, but also like a compelling asshole. Um, so Ezra Miller plays the Flash in the like um, uh, Schneider DC comic movies um, and is also in uh, the like new Harry Potter movies and stuff. And there's something very like charismatic and like present and but also this kind of like can do quiet and brooding at the same time. This looks this looks really cool, actually. I, I didn't know who this person was either. Um, 
and uh, I actually I, I like it. I can see them doing. You know, it's what there's a lot of things I like about it, but I think the sort of the high energy that can tip in different ways. Thing yeah, yeah, seems exactly. Like a, yeah, exactly. that seems that's, like a great. That's what I'm going for there. And then, you know, there's a bunch of other trans actors working in Hollywood, like to put together essentially like an entirely trans or non-binary supporting cast is like not impossible. It's very doable, in fact. And like, I love this idea of just like not and just for me, it's not just casting, you know, like a trans woman in like a woman's role, but also like not making gender like a thing. Right. Like having this far future space opera where gender just doesn't work the way that it does now and is not a thing that's on any of the characters minds. Like they're thinking about what military rank each other has and like, you know, which jobs they have, which which sub branch of the military that they're in, whether they're heretical or not. Like gender is just like never a thing that anyone brings up or thinks about at any point. And like, I love that idea of this kind of like, you know that sort of like movie world representing that and then representing it through this, you know, choice of like using as many like trans and non-binary actors as is like possible. I think that's such a great idea. I, I think it works. I think, I think, um, uh, it's, it's perfect for nine Fox gambit. I don't think this would work nearly as well with a culture book. I think you, I think, I think maybe like I can see individual elements of it working well, like the Wachowskis, working mm-hmm. well with culture or one of these uh, particular actors. Were, but I just think the overall concept is so perfect for Nine Fox Gambit that, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it'd be amazing. I would yeah. love to watch that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it. Unless you have any more. I mean, like I could also kind of just do this, like just pick any book and just like riff all day long. So maybe we shouldn't do that. <laughs> all right dude that that was fun that was very fun well you know thanks to everyone for listening to our you know dorm room 3 a.m. Yeah. conversation. I gotta go study for a midterm now. So. <laughs> yeah. I gotta go find some more marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, like, where do you get yours? <laughs> I can't <right>. tell you. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like, my guy doesn't yeah. like me to tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have his phone number though. It's okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that never happened. Definitely, <laughs> definitely never happened. Um, yeah. So with that, uh, you know, thanks for listening, everyone. We're at Spectology Pod on Twitter, spectologypod at gmail.com. Uh, thanks to WJ for our music and Noah Bradley for our artwork. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. We'll see you all next time. See you later, guys. Bye.